Broadcasting live from sunny South Florida, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. Your KMA crew, the Italian scallion, Paul DeGracco, Alex Tavella, a.k.a. The Goat, and always telling it like it is, Honest Abe. I like to smoke them like the Winston Churchill. Good morning to all our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers of the leaf. I'm your host, Honest Abe, and we are broadcasting, as always, live from sunny South Florida. And I'm here with my trusted gang, the Italian scallion, the man himself, Shameless Paul, and the man they call the goat, Alex Tavella. Bam. I thought you were going to switch it up. They're going to switch it up. The it's order? To what? Technically, you're not in sunny South Florida today. You're yeah, I know. Location. I know, but we broadcast from sunny South Florida. So true, 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 true. Fair, fair enough. enough. Yes. Fair I enough. thought about that. Oh. Going He's in an undisclosed location. Yes. I was going to say. In a, in <laughs> Is it somewhere sunny at least? I, post, I posted it, you dumbass. Stop acting so stupid. <laughs> oh, I didn't see. <laughs> I didn't Paul, see, honestly. Morning. Are you in Disney? Paul thinks like I'm covertly in Disney. Like he's trying to catch me in Disney. Yeah. Because you're secretly planning a Disney trip without telling me when you're going to go. I've noticed that you're purposely keeping the dates out. For my birthday, the fine folks at Drew Estate gave me some Disney gift cards. So they, right. will, be, they oh. will be used. Well, I don't understand why you have to be in the loop of Abe's Disney travels. All the nosy. Because he involved me. Now, he Paul, asked me. He asked you a question. A couple of questions. Paul just we had knows. a phone conversation about it. Paul just nosy about other people's lives. That's pretty much it. <laughs> I'm living vicariously through you. Especially for the guy really who interesting life. kind of always tries to like go around whenever he can't be on the show, what he's actually doing. Yeah. <laughs> That's only recently. I've I've learned that I, I can't really uh share too many details. Oh, but everybody okay. else has okay. to let you know what's going on. You can share details. You just gotta <laughs> live with the you know feedback. Well, that's true. So I don't want to live with the feedback. So don't, <laughs> don't be his neighbor. My wife, my wife was oh, looking man. at a place that was in his development. I said, Hell no. Again or the before? Oh, that was back then. I said, heck no. <laughs> <laughs> They're building some nice houses just like uh, two miles away from me. They're really big. It'd be perfect for your big that, family. That's all I need. Paul stopping by in his golf cart. Oh, With my God. Fresh, that would be so fresh, awesome. Fresh picked crops from the. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. The commune comments. Every time I post something of us doing something in the neighborhood or outside the house from the KMA crew. Oh, my God. Everybody's like. Uh, Risty posted on a picture. He's like, oh, I see you got your golf cart in the picture. I was like, no, that's my neighbor's. He goes, well, in your neighborhood, everything is everybody's anyway. So that's yours. I'm like, oh, great. That's (laughs) the way it works, Paul. That's how how it starts. And then 
then that same logic applies to wives, and then then that's when it. <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, Stephanie's got some hope then. <laughs> listen, this, if she, listen, if she can better herself, she should go for it. I tell her that all the time. Just marry rich this time. Who cares what they look like? You already got an ugly guy. You can live with that. <laughs> How much further west are you than where you used to live? You know, mile wise, it's probably only I think it's five and a half miles. I clock miles it. in Florida. It a little thing. You got to tell me like it I, means nothing. Yeah. Yeah, it's about it's about an eight minute drive to my uh, maybe 10 minute drive to my other house. That's actually not that. But 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 it feels a lot longer because once you get past a certain point on Southern Boulevard, you you basically you're like, oh, I'm going to the West Coast. You know, it's it's like nothing west of Flying Country Safari. We're just west. It's the next light. Oh, so See, you gotta go far. down. You gotta go down to southern too. So you're not only west. You're south. You're northwest. Right. So I go up Forest Hill from my old house and then make a left on Southern and all the way. To, southern is the majority of the trip. Well, you'll you'll be here. You'll come and hang out. For what? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're doing yoga. We're doing yoga at the lake. Uh, today i think i don't know if i'm going but are you really they're doing a big event i don't i mean i listen i will say this when i was in college and i was taking acting courses they force you to take yoga and i actually liked it then i've gone a couple times with my wife since then and i really actually do not enjoy it now what do you mean they force you to do yoga you know, I mean, in, I didn't have the in, college experience but i don't know that that's like if you a, don't if you don't do yoga you don't get your share of cucumbers for the month <laughs> no no when in college when you when you take art classes like acting classes they want you to be in tune with your body or some shit like that so they force you to take yoga i, I don't know listen it, you guys can make look at all the comments about yoga but talk to where's allison when i need her she does uh stogies <laughs> and yoga every saturday doesn't she oh, they, they, they put kma oh, on yogis. yeah i mean listen that's fine but i don't think she's i don't know maybe she is but i don't think she's paying back uh student loan debt because she took yoga class in college kevin, well, I, I mean I'm not actually, not to get too personal okay, go okay, ahead okay wait i'm out we got to address kevin I just said, no, I'm, I'm in atlanta for a wedding so i had to clean up yeah saturday's yeah, my good. day so you have to see me after saturday's my day i get this all taken care of literally literally alex runs out yeah. the door as quickly as possible every saturday because there's a rest standing saturday after kma appointment yeah so in two in two hours it'll be much cleaner i couldn't make it no comment about my beard no couldn't make it to the barber once again but think kudos and thanks to adrian again who once again came to my house sunday night thursday night after the soccer broadcast at 10 o'clock and that's right. After you left, you said, hey, yeah. he's great, man. I love that. He's guy. awesome. Clean me up really good. You know what? You know what I think is the coolest power move? I remember one of the times when when you were first before you guys opened real clips. I remember we I came to a meeting and you were getting a haircut in your office. And I was like, that is a power move, man. Like Listen, sitting at the desk. Been, getting the, getting It was awesome. Haircuts. I've been getting haircuts at work for probably 10, 15 years. You know, God, just, I wish I had that. You know, sometimes the, like the barber moves or the barber leaves, and then you you know you're stuck for a while. But eventually, if I can find somebody who'll come to my office, it, yeah, it, it, why waste the time? Yeah, yeah no, I, it's it's actually a great idea. If I didn't have the same barber for ten years, I'd switch to Adrian. Yeah, Adrian is a shit. Um, 
speaking of the kids, is you know, I got to put it out there because, uh, you know, Petra found out Big her doings. Yeah, man, she got it. It was funny because, you know, we're in Atlanta and they don't tell the kids. So the parents have to log into a portal to find out. And, um, you know, we, we, we were here and uh, all of a sudden the phone rings and my, all I hear my wife say, come down, come down. You need to breathe. What, what's the matter? What's the matter? So I'm starting to freak out, man. But, you know, she's never called crying like this or whatever. And she was crying because all her friends were finding out around her. It seemed they dropped the news at three o'clock. So on the bus ride home, every kid saying, I got in, I didn't get in, but it's, it's blowing up. And because she hadn't heard, she was freaking out. The problem was wow. all the parents were crashing the website because everybody's going on the website. Getting yeah, yeah, we're, we're very familiar with that. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm like, wow, it, it feels good not to be at the, you know, to be actually on the other end of this for one. <laughs> yeah. As I continually hit refresh. They, they crashed the website, so we really couldn't find out like for another 20, 25 minutes. But yeah, she was elated. She's going to uh, the the corresponding high school, School of the Arts. A lot of, a lot of her friends didn't get accepted. You know, I'm shocked, too, because I figure if you're going to the School of the Arts or the grammar school, oh, thanks, guys. If you're going to the, you know, the middle school, the School of the Arts, I just figured they'd get in. But no, I guess they don't. So she's very, very happy and excited. No, she's she's talented. I'll be the first to to admit it. She deserves it. She's she's gonna do awesome. That girl is gonna she's gonna do great things. So I'm proud of her. I I when I saw that post yesterday, I was like, I knew it. But you know, you have. I'm sure you guys felt the same way, right? Like you you I like mean, you knew she was good enough for it. But who knows if she like what if she didn't get in? But but, but you see, like I'm one of those parents. Like I think those are good moments in life too. Like, I wouldn't have been crushed because realistically, getting into this school is not the beginning all or end all of anything that's going to really affect her life. She can go anywhere she but wants. But it helps. It helps. But, you know, getting getting a, a, a detour, getting an obstacle is also not a bad thing in life because, you know, that's how you learn to overcome stuff. So I, I my wife and my daughter would probably have been devastated, you know, and then my job would be to teach her how to overcome that obstacle because shit happens in life, man. And you need to learn how to overcome it, but she's going to go where she wants. And then the next one is college and that's going to be a lot tougher. So we'll see what happens in four Does years. Does she have an idea of where she might want to go to college? <laughs> she says Juilliard, but we'll see. Good girl. She doesn't understand. She doesn't understand the narrowing path of entry as you go up the echelon of, of life. So, you know, when you, when you start talking schools like Juilliard or, um, where did Michael Herklotz go to college? It's another school of the arts, music. Uh, shit. Starts with a C, I think. Oh. Cornell? No. Cornell's not music. Don't know. Don't know. Oh, my God. So you I... might be paying for one of those liberal arts degrees that she better... You go, she goes to Juilliard. Yeah, you're going to be... That's... She better do something with in her life later. A lot happens in four years, you know. If we live in New York, I, you, but, know, but you know, I, I applied to Juilliard. Listen, she just got a gig. Her her art teacher got a gig. She's got some gig. Actually, we're going to be in Texas. We're going to miss it. But she's got a paying gig that's paying her two hundred dollars next weekend. Um, I could just see Berkeley. This, Berkeley. I, I could just Berkeley see this. Where he went. I, I could just see this kid going um, around the country playing music, just even just for experience and fun. So who knows? It'll be interesting to watch and and and. 
cheer from the sidelines and just give her the best advice I can. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, I'm excited for her. Yeah. So yesterday was a pretty emotional day for her. Berkeley. Yes. Yesterday was a pretty emotional day for me yesterday too. What happened? Want to know why? Down? Uh, yes. No, I found. Down. So, you know, I used to do the promotions like hosting promotions at a minor league baseball team on Long Island for years. And I used to, no, I, I used to do market research. Yeah. For you, I did it for 10 years and I used to do market research where we would have our team outside and ask people things like, what was the score of the game? Who won the game? And no, like, I think it was like 30% of the people that we polled knew the score of the game and 40% of the people knew who won the game. They were there for the entertainment, right? We did fun things in between the innings before and after the game. So this company actually happened. I happened to know the owners through friends or through family. I didn't even realize called the Savannah bananas came to town. No, oh, he's got a hat. On. And yeah. And they, he's these guys a, took my dream. See. Because he's got the blur on, and it's. Oh, uh, I got the blur on. It's yeah. the banana. That's it's a funny. banana. Not a but anyway, it looks. It look, but the, look, but the KMA logo comes in perfect. You see, it's like. Yeah, it's so weird. It's we won't color. let him advertise another company. The computer knows. But listen, these. Yeah, exactly. But these guys oh, took my dream of like making it about the the fun and the entertainment, and not as much about the baseball. And they do like fun antics with the baseball players. It's kind of like the Harlem Globetrotters, but but for baseball. And they came to West Palm. They just added a night tonight. What it was just, I was like, man, job overshadowing the excitement of baseball. <laughs> but they take all this stuff out of the game that everybody hates about it. So there's a timer to the game. There's no bunting. Uh, they, they can't step out of the box. There's no mound visits. It's, no it's awesome. Bunting. All the stuff that wastes time. There's Bunting's no bunting. actually exciting. There's no bunting in minor league baseball. No bunting. No, this is like they're not. It's not really a game. I think it's fixed. You know, the Savannah Bananas always win. It's a big show. You got to look it up. It, it, they're what in town. They you could, you, okay, so the point of this whole story was: Did they play like? It was just. I was this? emotional. It was wonderful. <laughs> I felt. Like you know like, how you know how the Harlem Globetrotters always play the what are they the Washington Generals or Wizard? What like, are, what's the team called? I might get shit for this, but that was a very feminine comment. I'm just that I got emotional. What was feminine? It was, it was, it was emotional. emotional. It was so wonderful. It was so wonderful. I was. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it I'm was, cold. I don't know. It was feminine a little bit. I was very. Feminine. I'm secure. I was very manly last night. An old man told my wife to sit down at this game where everybody's standing up cheering. They're getting the crowd doing the wave and fun stuff in the crowd. And this old man sitting behind us and he goes, can you sit down so everybody can see? And we ignored him the first time. And then like three more times he said it. And I turned around. And I was like, it's open seating over here. You crotchety old man. Go sit somewhere else if you have a problem with people having fun at an entertainment at an entertaining baseball game. And he's like, I'll knock your block out. But he had to be like 75 years old. I was like, go ahead. Hit me. Please, in front of all these people standing up, cheering, having a good time, hit me. He got all upset. Nobody anyway, I was very confrontational. No, and you know what's funny? My wife was like fumbling with her phone trying to show me trying being to a tough it. guy. Damn it. Yeah. Abe, you got to reach. There Thank may God. be a video. You got to reach out to Steph. There may be a portion of this video. There's not a video from Steph. There may be a video from somewhere. I don't know. There's, Steph's good at leaking me proper information. Right. Given moments. She is. She is actually damn her. Yes. <laughs> well, anyway. I was, anyways, uh, we got an exciting show for you. Um, 
one of a dear friend of ours and a guy who really hasn't been on KSMA as much as we'd like him to. So it's very exciting to have him on today. Willie Herrera, man. Let's take it to our Meet Your Maker segment. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. It's time to meet your maker. Look at the man himself. What's up? What's up? What's happening? Hey, man. Another it almost looks like Billy day here, man. In the same place. <clears throat> Willie, where are you broadcasting from? Home, man. Uh, sunny, sunny South Florida, bro. Uh, and nice and muggy as usual. <laughs> Dude, muggy. Yeah, the Florida weather's back. Let me tell you something. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, you know, we just woke up. Well, we really, really didn't go to bed, but we just packed up got on the plane, came here to Atlanta. The second I got on the, um, what do you call it? The thing where you get off the plane that connects to the building. Tram? Yeah, whatever, you know, the hallway to the to building. But the second I got in, I was like, holy cow. I like didn't even realize, like, it, there's, you know, it's not Florida weather everywhere, man. I actually had to go out right. and buy a, buy a thing. It's cold. I was looking at, I was watching the news this morning, man. And it's crazy. I was looking up in the panhandles in the 50s. Mid uh, to lower fifties. I, I thought of that, Abe, because any idea what what Texas is like this time of year? I don't. Do I need a coat for next week? I, well, I don't know, know. You know, I'm I'm always thinking Texas it depends is, on where. Yeah, I almost think Texas is warm, but man, you know they have their own snowstorms and stuff. You know, a lot of guys right. have trouble getting in, so I I don't know. But I'm actually going to do a little research before I get on the plane because I got cool clothing in Florida for those days. I just didn't think of them. I got a plane with sandals, shorts, a polo. I'm like thinking, oh, hey, we're, we're good. It's Atlanta. I'll, you know, I'm thinking it's like Florida. Man, it was yeah. cold yeah. last night. I was sitting yeah. in front of a fire pit when I took that picture smoking the, the cigar. I mean, it was like, it was cold. Yeah, it gets cold <laughs> up there. Oof. <laughs> so, Will, how you doing, buddy? I can't complain, man. Just uh, staying busy. Starting to... Uh, Get ready to ramp up all the travels again. It's been a little over two years of no travel. So uh got my first trip lined up for next week already, and we're off and running, man. So it's exciting times, busy times. And, uh, you know, just got to get, get some, uh, some adjusting to the, 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 the scheduling again, you know. But I, I can't complain. My wife and I were just talking about this the other night. It's been two years. It was two years ago this month that we closed down our stores. I mean, wow. literally two wow. years. Yeah. And did you think, did anybody in their right mind think two years ago that like we still kind of be dealing with it? Mm-mm. I remember when we closed the store, I'm thinking like this is a two or three week ordeal, you know? Right. Not even a world changing we- thing. We're insulated here too, though in in South Florida, especially. You well, know, when we're going on a we're going on a cruise. I mean, the COVID testing parameters are you have to take two COVID tests just to get on to the the boat. But we became we're, we we were a little insulated, really starting a year ago. But the first year was kind of like everywhere, you know, maybe not as oh, yeah. bad, but everywhere. And then finally, like October. A year and a half ago, things just opened up completely, and then we became insulated. But yeah, man, and and I and Drew Estate, I think, just opened their building 
like for the first time since COVID, people are going back to the office. Yeah, man. Just uh, well, actually, we were supposed to open up April first, and they pushed it back to the eleventh. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So yeah, so they're just doing you know some rearranging of offices and getting people situated in different areas, different parts of the office of the building. So yeah, it was supposed to be the first, and so they pushed that back now to the eleventh. And um, but everybody's just ready to go back in, man. Had uh, I had my first event uh on thursday night thursday night thursday night or friday night i forget man it's everything for me is a blur yeah and um i mean the turnout we had and i was like wow this is what events were like i forgot you know it had been so long but uh it feels good man you know it feels good uh being in that face-to-face you know environment again and even though i i I do like and I really enjoyed when we were doing all the virtual events because I think it opened up a lot of doors. You know, your reach was so much greater doing those virtual events. You weren't just, you know, dealing with the locals from that local shop. So you're able to talk to people from all over the place, you know, all different states, different countries. And, you know, it, it, it really gave the opportunity for people to interact with you you know oftentimes in these in-store events um you know people are shy people are timid or people feel embarrassed or whatever and you don't get to talk to so many people but through these virtual events you are really able to connect with a lot of them and that's seen so far from that first event to have carried over to the in-store events because a lot of these guys you know hey man yeah i was in an event with you that you did virtually so hopefully it'll carry on moving forward to all the other uh, trips and, and, and in-store events that we got lined up. Well, I mean, without a doubt, the people that were able to pivot, you know, and, 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 and communicate and interact with people on a virtual level um, really found a lot of success and a lot of reach. And, um, you know, even when we did the Digital Great Smoke in 2021, I mean, it was historic. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't even think we had any idea what we were getting into when we even contemplated doing that but i think the best part is to find the blended balance now right because you know there is nothing that compares to being in person i mean Mm -hmm. this great smoke last month showed it how people came from all over the world thousands Mm -hmm. of people and you know as much as we try to portray that virtually at home you know michael did a great job like i said michael herklotz will forever be as long it's his title until he doesn't want anymore be the face of digital uh you know, the virtual great smoke. Um, and as much as we try to, you know, emulate that feeling and sensation through the camera lens at home, it just, it's hard to compare. So we're excited to get back to doing physical events and, uh, you know, but not not go back to the way it was. I mean, we always want to incorporate, we have uh, uh, our first, uh, we, we're going to be doing, uh, what is it, Alex? Next month, May, right? We're going to be doing our first in-store event that will be a store event that there'll be a virtual component at the Mm -hmm. same time. So um, I just think, you know, finding the blended balance of the two is the future for people who really want to interact and connect with the consumer base. Definitely. It's, 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 it's a cool feature, you know, something I never imagined uh, prior to, you know, the pandemic and everything shutting down and you really, 
not having a choice but to, okay, we got to do this and let's do this. And, and you went, you know, changing over time and, you know, making adjustments. And, and it, I think it just turned out to be something really cool. And like you said, Abe, it's, you know, it's something that I think moving forward, it could be integrated with the, the in-store events and do, you know, this virtual aspect so people elsewhere could take part of that, you know, of that in-store event and what's going on, and they could take part of the deals and be part of raffles and so on and so forth. So I think it's it's something really cool that came out of it. You know, I had never heard of that prior to that. Uh, I'm like, what's a virtual event? I remember the first time <laughs> our Joe Girl and, and our marketing team were like, hey, okay, we're going to pivot to virtual. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> how, do you, how do you do a virtual event, man? And dude, it was just—it's just some getting used to. But yeah, I think it was great, man. I think the real struggle for people moving forward in this area is doing the virtual side of it, where it's just not so bad. You know, to to, to really do a good virtual experience, you you cannot. You, you have to find a way to kind of really upgrade the look and the feel of it where it's not a broadcast like i love our kma you know broadcast but it's very flat you know and for me that's not a virtual event and i think you know those that will really invest the time and the money and the knowledge and learning how to make a broadcast a broadcast mm. i think you'll see a lot cooler virtual events in the horizon Definitely. oh for sure <laughs> i agree because this format can only go so far as being exciting. You can only do so much in this kind of a, you know, laptop broadcast virtual event. You know, it's got to right. be a little more than that for, for success. So, Willie, listen, I, I know you've been on KMA before, and I'm sure people ask, but I, I, we always operate on the assumption that there are, there are new smokers every day who are getting into this lifestyle and culture. Give us, you know, a quick synopsis of your journey and how you got into the cigar business. Man, so, you know, I've been a smoker, I mean, I don't know, I, I think I had my first cigar like at 15 or 16 years old, and it was all out of, you know, this this intriguing thing for me that I would go to my, my aunt's house, and her husband always had a cigar at all times. He would smoke in the house, smoke in his room, smoke in the living room, so there was always this aroma in the house. And I remember going over there as a kid, and I'm like, man, that smells, that smells so good, you know? And so I've always been a bigger kid, you know? Um, so I would get, you know, I would get by a, a lot of stuff that required, you know, age veri uh, verification and this, that, and the other. So at that age, you know, we had this down the street from my house, we had like, uh, it's almost like a little cafeteria, like a little market where you get your Cuban bread in the morning, your coffee, and, you know, a few different sugar, salt, a couple of things, whatever you could buy at this place, sandwiches. Well, they also had cigars, you know, those uh, bundles or fumas that we call on the counter. Now, this is in New York. Huh? This is in New York? No, no, this is here in Miami. Okay. They're here in, uh, in Westchester, Miami, where I grew up. And, um, you know, they would also sell you the balls of dough before they put it into the oven to make the Cuban bread. And that's what I would go and buy and then take off on my bike to go fishing and all the canals and stuff like that around the neighborhood. 
And so that was my first experience with cigars, you know, buying these Pumas uh, at that cafeteria and then taking off with my, you know, with my uh, ball of dough and fishing all day and just enjoying that cigar. You know what I mean? Trying to mimic what my own husband was doing, you know, just cast the, with the cigar in your mouth and you're doing your whole thing. And it's like, man, this is super cool. And over time, that went changing, obviously, like many smokers today, your palate goes changing, it goes uh, getting more refined, and you start looking for certain nuances and certain types of cigars. And and so now you fast forward to like 2000, about 2099, 2000, 2001, uh, Sandy, uh, my wife's mom, and Sandy's parents, Oh, had opened a factory in 95 or 96 of Cigar Factory. And so, you know, I was always involved as far as helping them out, but my career path had gone another way. I was into banking at that time. And so, you know. So how old are you at this point? Oh, man. Uh, in 2000, so I was 20, 26, 25, somewhere around there at this point. So I had I graduated from those Pumas at that point, and I was buying, you know, premium cigars at uh, different uh, brick and mortar stores now, in the area. You just mentioned that you know Sandy um, had opened up a factory in Miami, and uh, you're talking about the El Titan de Bronze factory. Mm-hmm. How did you end up meeting Sandy or knowing the family? Well, I met Sandy's daughter Giselle back in '89. Ooh. I mean, we're, we're, we were together, we've been together since 89. So they had just oh, wow. moved from Jersey to Miami. And she, I met her. So I went to the movies with a buddy of mine. I was in ninth grade. I was in ninth grade. Freshman. And I'm with a bunch of uh, buddies of mine, one of which was her cousin. And she, she was living up by... Uh, by Aventura, uh, north of Miami, when they moved down. And so her cousin was at the, at the movies with us or whatever, and she happened to be there on a blind date with some other kids. Oh, wow. So we're there. She sees me. She caught, you know, get close to her cousin. Hey, who's that guy? And this, that, and the other. Long story short, she takes off with me and her cousin and all our friends the guy, I don't know if he ever showed up or didn't show up. We go to our own movie and do our thing. I've been, been together ever since, man. So wow. when I met her, you know, there was no cigar factory. Uh, they, her parents owned the liquor store. And so after school, on the weekends, especially in holidays, I would work with them at the liquor store because it was just stupid busy. And they would do these gift baskets. And so I would help the grandfather you know, shrink wrap these big old baskets, especially in Christmas time, Valentine's. So Sandy always said, man, everybody who buys liquor is always asking where they could buy cigars. She's like, you know what? I'm going to start selling cigars. It was a pretty big liquor store. And so she sets up the store, puts two display cases. Now, remember, this is like uh, uh, during the boom, tail end of the boom, she couldn't get cigars. No matter who she called, you know, she had customers from the liquor store 
that were in the cigar business. And they're like, we're sorry, Sandy, we could give you a box, we could give you, you know, two boxes, but she could not get cigars. So at that point is when she's like, you know what? I have, uh, I have my licenses, I have, you know, my uh, uh, alcohol and tobacco firearms license and this, that and the other. And she's like, you know what, I'm going to make cigars. I'm going to get hire somebody and I'm going to have them here making cigars and uh, I'm going to just sell my own stuff. So that's how she kind of started uh, in the industry. There was a, an older customer from the liquor store who, you know, worked in factories all his life in Cuba. And so that was our cigar roller. And that went on, you know, until another customer, friend of hers, who was, uh, I forgot what was his position at the ATF, says, Handy, you can't roll cigars here. Are you crazy? <laughs> this is a liquor store. She's like, what are you talking about? I have my ATF license. Yes, for alcohol, not for manufacturing cigars and tobacco products. Even even the license for selling cigars is different from the license manufacturing cigars. Yes, yes. <laughs> so that kind of started. Okay, let's find a place and do what we got to do so we can make cigars uh, legit, you know. And that's how they got into the business because. You know, they had no way of getting cigars to sell at their liquor store. Now, at this time, at this time, she still has to have a factory. So it's now we're going now to 90. Oh, man. This two, three years after. So we get married in 96. So tell end of 96, 97 is when they open up a factory. And so now. They're in Little Havana, same building where we're at now, where you went by, but three stores down. So they weren't in that corner store. Right. And so they started making cigars, and they started, you know, growing. They had two rollers, and, you know, you just had all this foot traffic walking up and down Little Havana. I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with Little Havana, but, you know, there was over five, six, seven different factories uh in little havana and everybody to this day and to this you know today even more so than then you know you have all these buses constantly with people coming to little havana and walking up and down up and down if you're a cigar lover it's the mecca where you need to go i mean people want to right see. and at this right. time you're still in banking still in banking still in banking helping them out here and there whenever something you know needed to be done but knew nothing of the industry knew nothing of the business so now you fast forward to, like I said, either 99 or 2000. What were you doing in banking? Uh, well, I started off as a teller, then moved on to head teller. Then I got into loan processing and then a managing of, I just, uh, I just position imagined, in loans. I just imagined you being a loan officer when you took banking, sitting at the other end of the desk. To, you know, how tall are you, Willie? Six five. I mean, I can just see it on grade. <laughs> Denied. <laughs> you know, little, five, yeah, a little intimidating, right? <laughs> it wasn't fun, man. It wasn't fun. So, fast forward, her grand. Oh, so in between, her parents end up getting divorced. Liquor store gets sold. Mom and grandparents stay with the factory. The old man gets sick. They needed a male, you know, person, a male figure in this factory because little havana back then you know by three o'clock three thirty everybody was shutting up the, the the windows putting the shutters and closing because it wasn't the safest 
heart of town at that time. So I needed a male figure. So I had taken a week off of vacation from work and worked the factory. I'm like, man, I'm smoking cigars all day. This is great. You're, 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 you're dealing with happy people <laughs> all the time. Nobody's coming in pissed off. There's no problems. There's no headaches. Every transaction was, was great. It was positive. Yeah, man, because in banking, dude, I mean, especially as a teller, why is there a hold on my check? And why is this? And uh, what do you mean? It was just awful, man. And I fell in love with it after that week. I put in my two weeks notice. I quit the bank. Wow. And I started full time wow. at, at the factory. And that's where, you know, I say it all the time, my, my, my education started in the cigar business. I had been a smoker at that point, you know, tons of years. And uh, I knew what I liked and I knew what I did not like as far as cigars. And uh, I just started learning. I started learning about, you know, what makes this cigar taste this way? What makes this one burn this way? Why is this one stronger? Why is, you know. Why do you have this shape and this shape taste this way and this shape taste another way when it's the same blend and same tobaccos? So I'm smoking all the stuff that I'm buying. I'm not really smoking our cigars. We had two cigars that we would make, uh, a Connecticut shade and then a natural shade. Um, and, you know, they weren't for me. It, it wasn't what were, they weren't, for where my palate was at that point. So her grandfather, you know, as any typical old Cuban guy, very proud of what they have, right? Why are you smoking so-and-so cigar? Why are you spending all this money? You're spending, you know, money you could be putting into your house and for food and for this. I'm like, oh God, okay. I gotta, I gotta get something produced out of here so I could smoke when I'm here. So I would go into the room and kind of smell the different tobaccos that we had, bring it to one of our rollers. Hey, can you make something with this? And that went on for a few weeks until, you know, these rollers and even today, they get paid by how many cigars they roll. They roll 100 cigars, they get paid for 100 cigars. And they had their quota. You know, at that time, it was 100 cigars a day. That's what they had to make. Now, you throw me into the mix. Hey, make this for me. Make that for me. Now they're not making their honey cigar today <laughs> unless they're staying past their time or coming in earlier the next day. So that quickly became a problem. So I was like, okay, what do I do? <laughs> well, I, I have no choice but to learn how to make a damn cigar. And so that's what I did. You know, I would stand behind them and just look at them and then go behind them, sit on another table and, and, and do what they were doing and learn, you know, how to bunch and how to fill mold, uh, how to press it, how long to press it for, how, uh, when to turn the cigar and put it back in the press, and then how to put the wrapper on the cigar. And that went on for a few months until I was making a beautiful cigar. And I was like, oh, okay. All right, now I'm going to have fun. And I just started experimenting, you know, based off of smell um, with the limited tobaccos that we had. And then because we're in Little Havana and we had so much foot traffic, you know, you had a lot of people coming in, uh, a lot of tourists that were buying a cigar as a gift for their dad, for their brother, for their boss. But you would also get a lot of people coming in asking for me with key questions. Oh, what's the wrapper? Oh, what's the filler? 
you know, is it full body? Is it milder? Uh, is it, you know, what's the country of origin? And I was like, okay, these, these are the smokers. So those, those became my guinea pigs. So I would make myself. Before they left, I was like, hey, hold on a second. Let me give you something. I would love your feedback. So run to the back, grab something I had worked on, give it to them, said, all I want is for you to give me a, a call or send me an email. Here's my card. And let me know what you think about the cigar. And man, and that was the beginning for me, you know, uh, getting a lot of feedback um, from all these customers that were walking into the factory. And then, you know, what I was smoking, I was like, okay, yeah, this is a third. Oh, this is really good. Why is this one really good? Let me tweak this blend. Let me, you know, incorporate a different binder. Let me incorporate a different wrapper. We started getting different tobaccos uh, into the factory. And it just, you know, it took off from there, man. It was, uh, uh, how do they say? Uh, it was, um, I went into that rabbit hole and just haven't come out since. <laughs> Willie, would, would you say that your education process was pretty much education by self-experience? Or did you have any real influence or mentors um, in, try, in, in your learning, one, how to roll, and then secondary, how to blend? You know, I, had men, I didn't have mentors. I had people I looked up to because I saw all the great things that they were doing. And how much I enjoyed their cigars. But I never had anybody to sit with me and say, okay, these types of wrappers, you use it with these type of binders, or when you're creating a blend, you have to use you know, X amount of this to, to make sure you have combustion in your cigar. Uh, I never had any of that. You know, I say it all the time. My, my, my whole learning was uh, solely from necessity. Uh, I had no choice but to learn how to do it. Um, so I could a have something that I would enjoy and b continue to grow the family business. Um, it was, it was all necessity. And then it became this love for it because when you, when I started to create these blends that people were really enjoying and they were getting, taking the time out to call me. Or to send me an email and say, hey, man, I really love this cigar. What is it? How can I get more? You know, that's when that love part comes in. And you're like, man, you know, you're creating something out of nothing. You're creating an experience for somebody out of dried up leaves. And how cool is that? Right. that out of nothing, you're creating something so good. And that's where the love for it came for me, more so than, you know, the, the, the business part of it, which was a whole nother part of it, is the experience, the pleasure, uh, how cool the people are, how fun it is. You, you factor in the other segment of the equation, which is how that cigar that you put this leaf and that leaf, this wrapper, this binder together changed or made somebody's day better uh or made an experience memorable for them whether it was you know a party a wedding uh you know a congratulations uh it just cigar has that power to change and to make a day you know for a smoker wow you know exceptional 
And there was, that's where the love came in for me, man, you know. Um, then you fast forward again. Uh, about 10 years at that point, Jonathan approaches. Hey, I really like what you're doing. I hear you're doing this for so-and-so. You approached and you by hear... coming down to the factory, or how did you run into Jonathan? So it was probably in 2000. It was probably around 2008. The first time I meet Jonathan, uh, our booth at the, uh, it used to be uh, our TDA show, right. uh, was located right behind Drew Estate's booth. And so he kept seeing all these people coming through and people that we were making cigars for stopping by and hanging out. He's like, man, who's this little company behind us here having all this traffic? So he approached me during that trade show he's like man i really like what you're doing i'm hearing a lot of great stuff you know i remember at that time the bloggers were really coming into the scene people were reviewing cigars and you know they're smoking cigars uh, uh that they were recording online and stuff like that and you know he was already following a lot of that stuff that was going on and uh because you know you would hear at that time all the big names but who's this little guy? Who's this Willie guy? And who's this little El Titan the Bronze factory? Like, what's going on? So that's when he started talking. And I remember after he left, I called Sandy. Sandy, you know who just came to the booth? What, what happened? I'm like, Jonathan Drew just came by the booth. He was talking to me. Oh, my God. What did he say? <laughs> and, uh, you know, that started the talks and then we were talking back and forth back and forth for a little over a year and a half or so and then finally we have dinner and that's when he says hey man look i have this idea i want to know what you think but more importantly i want you to find out and i want to know what your family thinks because it's a family business where you're at and you've kind of helped get that family business to the point where it is now and the last thing i want to do is take you away from there and have them you know pissed off at me i was like okay no problem that sounds good i will talk to the family abe before i finish the conversation they have my packs packed and said get out of here and go <laughs> and uh and i joined Drew estate in 2010 man and it's been it's been you know a hell of a ride it's been great and here we are going on 12 years later, man. It's crazy. 12 now, years already. Now, are you, wow, look at that. That was the first year. We <laughs> see so much more of your face back then. Age, bro. Age. I was, I saw, I was so youthful in that picture, man. <laughs> <laughs> so you're titled as master blender at Drew Estate. Now, are you involved in any of the? I mean, obviously, you know the Hoya de Nicaragua cigars are, are, are blended down at the Hoya de Nicaragua factory. Are you involved in, in the blends of any of the other Drew Estate lines, or just the Willie Herrera blends? So you know, a lot of people don't know this. You know, I never came into Drew Estate to be the master blender of the company. I, the idea was to come into the, to Drew Estate and expand the traditional side of cigars for Drew Estate. And the concept was to have a Herrera line or Herrera umbrella coming out of Drew Estate blended by me. 
not the Jewish state team that was creating everything else for Jewish state. So essentially we're going to have, you know, two blenders or two blending departments for Jewish state. And that was the goal, that was the plan. Um, and so Herrera Sali was born. And, you know, the, the cigar, the very the first year got number eight cigar of the year. And everybody was like, oh, my God, we've never had like a top 10 cigar with you, you know, coming out of Jewish state, whatever. So then the following cigar is the Norteño. Norteño gets number seven cigar of the year. And it was like, you know, this huge thing going on because, you know, we never really had had any top 10 cigars rating in the CA magazine, you know, were those cigars being uh, rolled in Nicaragua or were they being made in uh, little Havana? No, everything at that point. So once I joined Jewish state, all I did and all my work was with Jewish state in Nicaragua, no, no more uh, blending or no more really uh, much. Cause I just didn't have the time. I was uh, living for the first year and a half in Nicaragua um, in, in the factory, in the back in the safari. So everything was coming out of jurisdiction. Uh, all my blending was being done there. All the tobacco used was our tobacco there from jurisdiction. And so Norteño comes out. Norteño gets number seven. And shortly after the release of the Norteño is when Jonathan says, okay, you know what? I want you to do all the blending for jurisdiction. I want you, you're going to be the master blender for the company. So then I took the role of not only the Herrera-Stali blender um, or Herrera-Stali umbrella, but then as I was also responsible for everything else together with the team, existing team of Drew Estate, for everything else coming out of Drew Estate. And the very first cigar was that I blended as the master blender for the company. Uh, the first cigar that I blended outside of the Herrera brand was the Undercrown Shade. That was the very first cigar. So anything that's come out after the Undercrown Shade, I've had my hand in. Uh, in creating, as well as, you know, all the other Herrera uh, cigars that have come out. That's a lot of cigars. That's too. a pretty cool transition. Yeah, that's... Hence what was, why what was your impression of... Age, the stress, <laughs> you know, the aging, you know? <laughs> what, what was your, Willie, what was your impression of Jonathan when you first met him? Did Had you met him before? I had never met him. Uh, I had only seen pictures. Uh, and so I knew he was this crazy dude, you know, what, what <laughs> appeared to be this crazy dude. You like to use the word eccentric. Eccentric. Well, for me, eccentric is different. Like for me, eccentric is the guy that's driving around in a Lamborghini and gold chains and rings everywhere. You know what I mean? That's for me, more eccentric for me. He was just like, man, this guy's nuts. You know, the hip hop music <laughs> blasting in, in the booth, um, you know, the upside down uh, visor hat, the, the, the goggles, the, the, the shaded, goggles. The, the, the glasses with the tints. It's like, man, this guy's nuts. So it wasn't until after meeting him and really speaking to him and learning more about him, I'm like, this dude's a freaking genius, man. I mean, this guy, <laughs> this guy, yeah. He appears this way, but what's going on here? I mean, this dude is off the chain, and he's always yeah. thinking three, four, five, ten steps ahead of what you think. And when when you don't think he's listening, 
because he's looking at something or he's texting on his phone or looking at a video and you're saying something in the background he stopped hey but what what about then you're like how did this guy even hear what i was saying <laughs> <You know? laughs> so yeah man it's uh you know it's a bond that over time has gotten stronger uh not only with him but with the factory um everybody in there that i work closely with and um you know i consider them part of the family you know awesome well it wasn't a, a short synopsis but there it is in a nutshell the history of willie uh <laughs> path uh path coming on to drew estate um we got a lot more with willie coming up in uh hour two um we got some exciting news that we're going to talk about of a project that uh Smoke In has been working on with Willie. Started probably a little over two years ago. Okay, and it's coming to fruition very soon. We're going to talk about that in hour two. Also, up ahead in hour two for everybody is our Scoop with Coop. Heal the Tape, season four, episode three. Yes. Episode, episode three. three. You should put that on there, Paul. It's hard for me to remember, so I know what I'm queuing up. Okay. Um, I'll, que- I'll number them. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and and we'll name have, that jam, of course. Yeah, name that jam, and of course, uh, name that jam powered by Abba Cigars, and of course, uh, one of our newer segments, which seems to be catching some traction. Would you rather sponsored by Kirk and Cigars? We'll have all that coming up in hour number two. Don't go anywhere, folks. Keep it lit. Surgeon General warning: Cigar smoking can cause cancers of the mouth and throat, even if you do not inhale. Celebrating 85 years of success, the Monte Cristo 1935 anniversary Nicaragua is a tribute to the outstanding accomplishments the brand has achieved since their inception. Receiving multiple awards such as the number two cigar of the year in 2021 for Cigar Aficionado, 2021's Best Cigar for Cigar Snob Magazine, and three more prestigious awards, the Monte Cristo 1935 Anniversary Nicaragua comes from the creative minds of Rafael Nadal, AJ Fernandez, and the Grupe de Maestros. This full-body Nicaraguan Puro pays homage to the original tobaccos that were used in the very first Monte Cristo cigar that was ever produced. Flavor notes you'll detect while smoking this gem are pepper, cedar, and chocolate, which pairs perfectly with a cappuccino. No matter what four sizes you pick, this classic smoke will send you on a trip down memory lane and all the way back to 1935. private wines they they sell uh, some really great argentinian wines that you can't get anywhere else and if you go to kmawines.com you can get a discount and join their wine of the month club discount on shipping discount on product just because you're kma viewers and listeners so check it out kmawines.com i'm gonna do some i'm just staying in the circle i'm not like uh, you know drinking and driving this is just viral marketing letting these neighbors figure out what they're doing but I'm going to just whoop. KMAWines.com. <laughs> Bravo. So we now know the formula of getting anything done for KMA when we need it. Uh, I don't want to hear it. I. I <sighs> What's the formula, Alex? Stephanie. Yep. 
<laughs> we literally had that conversation yesterday. We literally had the conversation. Was it yesterday or the day before? Yeah, day before yesterday. I don't know. Was it yesterday Thursday, day, yeah, it was Thursday day before? Yeah. So Thursday we were on our little KMA pre-meeting and Stephanie comes on. We have a little talk with her. And sure enough, we tell her. And guess what happens? Boom. New commercial. Don't you have the mics that we gave I was going to say the same thing. What's the point? No, you guys have them. Alex took them when we went to J.C. Newman. We might. You have them. I took yeah. them. I mean, I took them. We well, you, them you said to give them we back to you because I wasn't using them. We might have packed oh. them up. Are you going to use them? Do I need to go dig them out? Yeah, Just dig them out. Them. Just get, get, get one to me. I'll get it to Steph. We'll <laughs> Hold on. My wife is not on the my wife is not on the KMA payroll here. Although she you know what's be. funny? Well, maybe night, we should, fact, maybe we fact, I'd like her banking information because I'm gonna start sending her your pay. Right. <laughs> she, what do you mean? She, you think that we don't have a joint account that it goes to? Actually, no, you're you're right. That goes well, to a private account. Careful. It's, well, it's not account. private anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? She, you know, my wife will enjoy a cigar very very infrequently but when she does you know she very much enjoys a cigar but she actually mentioned last night when we were at the baseball game afterwards she's like i could go for a cigar tonight it just didn't happen because we came home and it was craziness here but she uh she mentioned last night so maybe this weekend we'll we'll smoke a cigar together that baseball game the banana fanatics where you got very emotional the savannah bananas baby oh, the savannah bananas yeah who do they play <laughs> Uh, I, it's something the the animals, it you know it's like another made up team. They're the bad guys on the on the team. So they came out and like funny. It, listen, I we should have brought the kids, but we really needed a night without the children. So the one good thing is that it's such a family centric uh, event. There were more people in that ballpark, by the way, the ballpark of the Palm Beaches where the Astros and the the Washington Nationals do their spring training. There were more people in that ballpark last night than they've ever had before. And it was so noticeable with the concessions that they could not keep up. They ran out of hot dogs. They ran out of chips. They ran out of fries. They were like, they couldn't handle the amount of uh, beer was that beer was selling out like crazy. It was, it was unbelievable, but the beer lines were short, which was nice. So Paul Groh, we, we kind of paid. Yeah, he gets paid. That's where my frustration comes from. <laughs> <laughs> he gets paid. All, All right, right hold well, on. let me add Joe to the list of people who used to be my friends. Right. Oh, okay. dude, that's Continue. a long list. Hey, he's right under Chrissy Critchfield now. <laughs> it's just a matter of time, Paul, before they all see the light. That's true. Willie, how's your music musical acumen? How's my musical what? Acumen. You like music? Your music guy? I like music, man. Uh, I like it all, though. You What's know, your favorite genre of music. <clears throat> See, that's the thing. There, there is no favorite. It's like cigars. Um, uh, I don't have a favorite cigar. All right, so tell I me. I don't have a favorite me. music. If I get in the car with you and we go on a road trip. <clears throat> tell me the first three songs I'm probably going to hear on your playlist. Well, you know, it depends what we're going to do. It depends where we're going. So, okay. Typically, typically, you know, if we're going up to our camp up in uh, in Central Florida, up by uh, by Lake Wales. Since we leave the house, it's country. Oh, if we're driving up to Georgia, you know, up to the cabin, it's country. When we're in Georgia, it's all country. You know, um, if we're feeling a little... Guy, how does a Miami guy get into country music? I don't know, man, but I love it, dude. I love oh it. Gosh. That's uh, the one genre I, I can't connect with. Now, if, if we're on the boat, 
you know, out in the sandbar, you're not playing country. There you're playing, you know, reggaeton or a little techno trance or a little hip hop. So it all depends on the vibe of what's going on. You know what I mean? But I will say, I will say 60% of the time, it's probably country. Well, we're going to test your musical acumen right oh, now. Oh, God. I doubt that it's going to be any of the genres you mentioned, but let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's find it out. It's time to name that jam presented by Hopper Cigars. extraordinaire whose uh, line and cigars has always been entwined towards music only fitting that we have a episode called name that jam how this works willie is we're going to play only about three seconds of a song and we're going to see if you could tell us if you could actually name that jam hit it alex here we go I can hear the lyrics right there. It just went through my head. You want you want it again, Willie? Uh, do it again. All right. Man, I had no idea. All I gotta say, I was, okay, Led Zeppelin. I was gonna say Lennon Skinner. Paul, I have no idea what the name is. Or you start jamming answers up on the screen. What a dope! You are a dope. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, we're not we're not giving the answers away. I'm just showing what people are saying. So I take it classic rock is not too much of your uh, genre. You know, I do like it, occasional. Um, who's uh? Let me try to think. Some of the groups. Um, Oh my God! There's a couple groups, and I do play it occasionally here at home. If I'm working out in the yard, uh, I'll tell you what I don't do is jazz or classical. That I do not do. Um, but I do. I do like that classic rock. I do. I'm just really bad with names, uh, as you could tell. But there are a few bands that I do like. <laughs> well, Paul, if anybody hasn't figured out by now, let's reveal uh, what that jam was. Man, I'm telling you, a whole lot of love. As soon as that three second bit finished, all I heard was Robert Plant's voice in my head. You need cooling right away. <laughs> <clears throat> name well, Willie Herrera. You did not name that jam, but thank you for playing yeah. this yeah. episode of Name That Jam <laughs> by Avo Cigars. You know, it might be, might be, might be good to do a little research and see what genres. If we could find out uh, some of our future guests, because yeah, if you're not into a genre, it's going to be really hard. Well, you know, That's I was true. thinking about that, and I was like, "Well, Willie, I mean, what am I? I don't know. I don't want to be stereo. Like, I don't want to go grab like Buena Vista Social Club and like stereotype them. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I was like, uh, you know, let me. I would have never. Thought, I would have never, ever, ever, ever thought country. 
Oh yeah, yeah. So, I'm so all over the place, Miami. man. So on Miami, brother. You know, I, I tell people all the time, I'm I'm so on Miami. Me as a person, <laughs> uh, I don't go to South Beach. I don't go down to Brickell. I don't go down to you know uh, Coconut Grove. Uh, you want to see me in my happy place? Put me up north. Put me in the woods. Put me up in the mountains. Wow. Uh, put me in a farm down in Homestead. Uh, yeah, I'm so unlike Miami, uh, despite being raised, born and raised in Miami, in the city. Put put me in the put me in the sticks, man. Put me out in the Everglades. I'm happy there. And uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's a thing from uh, of old age. I don't know if it's a thing. No, it can be old age. So I remember as a kid, my cousin lived out in uh, Hialeah Gardens, which was out west west of uh of the turnpike uh off of uh okeechobee road and at that time when he when they built their house there was nothing out there it was you know houses here houses there it was mainly farms with cows and, and horses and stuff like that so i used to love going over there on the weekends because we would get on the acc's or go-karts and just drive around or go into the woods with their BB guns. So I guess since a very young age, I liked the woods and I liked the outdoor stuff. Uh, you know, I could count probably one hand how many clubs I've been through uh, as an adult, and it's not very many. I'll tell you, the last time I went to South Beach was probably 19, I don't know, 1999 somewhere around there, 98. That's the last time I went to South Beach, unless there was some kind of, a, of an event or something that I had to go to South Beach for. But outside of that, no, nah, you won't catch me anywhere near there. Well, I also hear you're a big foodie. Oh, yeah. What are, what are some of your favorite places to eat? Well, I, I, again, I don't get out much. So I, I, I'll cook it. <laughs> I'll cook it here, right? Or I'll pick up. So one of our hours in that sense, what dish do you make the best that you think? Indian. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Now you, you curveball the hell out of me. Right? <laughs> Indian with country music playing in the background. What what Indian dish? I love it. We love, we love Indian. My wife and I Indian eat regularly. What what Indian dish do you, do you make? Butter chicken. Butter chicken. I love butter chicken. Butter chicken, tiki masala. Wife will tell you. We actually we had that last night. I didn't make it this time. We we uh, buy it from a place that's not too far from here. I, I, I dropped off my son at a birthday party, and on the way home I picked it up. But those two, she'll say she's like, oh my god, there's whatever restaurant this tops it. So I will say those are my two top two. But you got a clay oven in the backyard? No, man. Okay. Nah, it's all on the stove. Uh, I will say my second best would be oxtail oh i like me and me and oxtail yeah yeah i say those those would be my two top for me wife doesn't eat oxtail my kids don't like oxtail so like that's like for me oxtail it's too fatty they don't like it oh so but no, that's I, what makes it so good it's more for me man you so know all loves anything butter and fat look how excited he's getting <laughs> oh man listen my i'm being starved the only way I lost weight was being starved in my house, but oxtail <laughs> stew. Uh. Yeah, I, yeah, I love cooking. 
I wouldn't lose any more weight. You're looking shorter, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't seen me in person. I've gained some weight back. We we always do. Losing weight, yeah. losing weight's not the problem. It's not finding it again. That's the issue. I'm really good at gaining weight. I re I enjoy food though. It's funny that you say uh, butter chicken though, because we have new neighbors across the street, and they're they're doctors. They're they're both from India, and my wife was talking to them the other night, and she's like, I. I know this sounds weird, but it smells so good out here. What are you cooking? And they were cooking butter chicken. And they didn't, but they said they would bring some over. So I'm hoping they will. Because well, that's that's like you know one of our favorites. They they're like, oh, we'll bring some over for you. And Stephanie's like, we will, we love it. But they haven't yet. I might have to make some sauce and bring it over there and, and kind of you know ease them into sharing food with us. That's funny. So <laughs> uh, I'm going to start getting into a, a project that I've had the pleasure and honor of working with the Drew Estate team and Willie on now for a while. So, you know, we've had a lot of milestone over the years as an organization and company and coming on our 25th one, you know, we really started thinking about it early. You know, what, we, what do we want to do that's special for our 25th? And, um, you know, Jonathan and the Drew Estate team and organization have kind of been intertwined with Smoke In. Throughout the years, we met both on early in our career and been part of each other's endeavors and worked on multitude of projects together over the years. And um, it was only fitting that 2021 was the 25th anniversary of both our organizations. Um, so when we reached out to Drew Estate to tell them about our project and what we wanted to do, um, we, we were we were honored and, and, and blown away when not only they jump on board, but uh, and, and got Willie to work on a very special blend for us, but it was actually produced at his family's, you know, renowned factory, the El Teton de Bronze factory um, down in Little Havana in Miami. Um, so it was very amazing. And then, and then, you know, at that time when we were working on this project and thinking about it, the, the press release had come out um, from Padron and Fuente. And I don't know if that project's still in, in the works or it's coming out, but we were going to do tributes to their fathers uh, who had both passed away, may they rest in peace. And, you know, it just dawned upon me, you know, my dad has been such an integral part of my life. And, you know, it's a shame that their fathers weren't around to see this. I, I, I knew them both. In fact, I was very, very close with Jose Orlando, you know, he used to call me El Gordo de West Palm Beach, you know, all the time. So- um, Lovingly. Think, lovingly, of course. And um, it's probably- Actually, it was it was immediately after the episode that we had Carlito on, and you talked about it. I think that's when you immediately yeah it, putting it right into play. After having the conversation, you were immediately go ahead. Yeah, it's like why why wait till they're gone? So I said, man, you know what? I'm gonna make my 25th anniversary scar a, a tribute to my father, and um, we we had Raji come in. You know, I call him Roger. We had Raj come in and. Willie had worked on these cigars and they were in the factory down there. My dad had never been to Delta Tiny Bronze Factory. So we kind of got a little video documentary of the whole experience. We drove down to the factory. I think Alex, you got some footage of us there. This was last end of last summer, you know, mm -hmm. um, and uh, spent the day down there with Sandy and Willie and the guys from Drew Estate. And the cigars getting ready to come out. Uh, there was a press release supposed to, there we are. That was, that was there's my dad all suited up he was excited for the day uh we drove down there we saw the cigars we talked with willie 
Um, a lot of the video footage and the little mini documentary I did will be coming out in the upcoming weeks. Uh, press release was supposed to drop yesterday. I think it's going to drop Monday, hopefully. But um, I just want to talk a little bit about the cigar, Willie, and, and, and you know more about it than we do. We just know how good it tastes. Alex, you got a picture, a picture of the final product, or Paul? I think one of you guys got a picture of the final product. We're very proud of the look. Everything there it is, the Raji. Um, celebrating our 25th anniversary. Very excited. I love so, the black and gold. It, it really, really is. It really came out nice. The cigar is great. So, so you know, we, we know historically, Willie, you, 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 know, you claim you don't like to pair things with cigars. So, you know, you are the, the master blender. Tell us a little bit about this blend you made for us. Well, you know, I wanted to do something special, uh, a little bit different <clears throat> from the the regular Herrera City lines, Norteño, Herrera Brazil, Herrera Habano. And, you know, we have tons and tons of protected uh, skews and blends and furrows at El Titan. Sizes, different wrappers, different, you know, different blends. And I'm like, you know what, let me take this opportunity to be able to do what we used to do back in the day before the whole fda stuff and how you're more limited and more controlled as to what changes you could do and what you could use and you can use based off what you have protected and stuff like that so i was going through all of our stuff going through some uh old old blends and stuff that i had worked on years and years ago before drew estate and i found this one blend and i started working with that and the 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 cigar ended up being a six by fifty Toro, uh, with a Mexican wrapper, San Andres wrapper, uh, a Nicaraguan binder, and then a blend of Dominican with Nicaraguan fillers. And the result is this hearty, meaty, you know, chewy blend. This this cigar that it's like, man, what is this? Because it's so different from anything else in our lineup, in, in our portfolio. Um, and so it's just a fantastic smoke. I mean, I was trying to smoke this one very slowly but as you could tell uh it didn't work i'm almost to the end now <laughs> this is a logic. um and i'm just so excited for the release of this man because you know it's it's every cigar is always special when it comes out because you put all this time into it um getting that blend right making sure you're going to have enough tobaccos making sure that consistency stays true uh, true through the the expectancy of that cigar, you know, not only as you're working on that blend to release it, but then moving forward after that. But in this case, it's something additional, an additional specialness added to the cigar because it's, you know, it's for your dad and it carries his name and it's something that just makes it that much more special. You know, you you got to make damn sure that this thing, people are going to be like, wow, because it's, it's for your dad. And, you know, you can't, you can't have second best. It can be, oh, okay, it's all right. Here you go. Here's this cigar. No, you got, you got to put that much more into it, man. And, you know, it's, it's Drew Estate's name behind it. It's, you know, El Titan, the bronze name behind it. It's my name behind it. But it's your dad's name that's on there. Yeah, it's you a know? lot of names on that box involved. That, it, box. That, that, that cigar has to be special. And, you know, we had some issues in the beginning. Um, 
and you know we, you remember we called you hey man i'm not i'm not good with this i'm sorry and you're you're the first one to say don't worry yeah it's ready you know and, and, uh, I'm, and i'm curious because there's a blender what happened because you know we had smoked some we we had, we had some early that you had sent us we we loved it and in the documentary my dad and i smoked some going down what what happens or what what does that where a batch will change on you to the point where you'll say we're not ready with a cigar all of a sudden Dave, so what ended up happening with that particular cigar is <clears throat> as we started going through bales of tobacco the tobacco just wasn't coming out how the the top part of those bales were coming out you know and the cigars just weren't right they weren't right they didn't taste right to me and i didn't want to take the chance so i pulled them all back i remember they had just gotten to the factory uh, to drew estate everything all of them and i'm like where are the cigars no they, they just got unloaded load them back up and send them to Ota. what are you talking about <laughs> i'm like send them back they're, they're 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 not right and that's what we did and then we called you and you're like i understand do what you need to do it's got to be right you know that's the thing with tobacco and cigars you can't rush it you can't rush that fermentation process you can't rush that aging process and you know they just weren't right man and i wasn't i wasn't gonna allow those cigars to come out and get into somebody's hands and smoke and they're like oh my god what this is all of the hype so we started all over again started from scratch you know we were in in the documentary that we filmed i mean we're in the aging room where all the cigars had been there you know <laughs> so we, we saw them done and i i tell you even you know funny is, is is um i don't know if my dad's watching he typically works works out at the gym uh, in the mornings but um i had to start watching all the footage so we could start compiling and editing the documentary and the next morning we, we really spent a beautiful day we, we were there all day the, uh, sandy and you would treat us to cuban sandwiches and a special drink what's that drink called oh the mame shake mame mame we had a mame shake and, and, and we my dad you know my dad you know you want to earn my dad's respect just be a hard worker that's when he truly can relate to somebody and that's all he saw there from from your mother-in-law to you I mean, we have footages of Sandy's mom at the table. How old is Sandy's mom? 93. 93, she's putting cigar bands on cigars. I mean, it's insane. Um, so the first question I ask him the next morning as, as we're doing like a conclusion to the to the documentary, you know, what a, what a day yesterday. And his response was, the best day of my life. And, I, and he was genuine. Like he was, that day will forever... Um, be remembered. I mean, he just thought it was an amazing experience, and um, that's awesome. Yeah, it was very, very cool. So we're excited about the cigar. Um, there has been a lot of questions here, and I'll just give you guys a synopsis on the cigar. We we produced fifteen hundred boxes, so we want the cigar to be around for a while. We don't want it to be a flash. In fact, um, we're tying in a promotion for every box bought between now and uh, it'll come out in the press release. I think the end of August, it'll get you one entry. Um, we're going to give away like uh, some special prizes to anybody around the country. Originally, our goal was to have a bunch of people who win do a Drew Estate factory tour with my father and I. But even with the delay of a year and whatever legal ain't clearing it, there are no Sargar Safaris coming back up. So it's changed into another cool little little um, 
promotion uh, to spend some time with the great folks at Jewish State and my dad and myself. Um, uh, that'll happen in October or later this year. We're going to launch this event. Uh, once again, intertwining the live with the virtual, we're going to launch this event to the world virtually on May 7th. We're going to have Willie on, my dad on, the folks. Oh, that's not it, Paul. Oh, we're almost there, Paul. We are way on cue. But we're going to launch it virtually May 7th to the world. Um, there's a beautiful Raji commemorative ashtray that will come with every box. And that will start May 7th. I think it's at uh, 5 or 7 p.m., but we'll get all the data out next week for everybody in the country. But incorporating a live event on May 6th, Friday night, and there'll only be 250 of these tickets available. Now you can put up the post. There you go. We are doing a very exclusive VIP launch of this event with both Willie. Wow, they couldn't find a more updated picture of Willie? Holy cow. <laughs> I'll um, that one, man. I was younger. Holy cow. So um, we're going to do a, a VIP rooftop event at the True Hilton in Pompano Beach. Um, like I said, there's only 250 tickets available. <laughs> open bar, there'll be hors d'oeuvres. And it comes with one hell of a cigar package, which will include these will be the first people in the country to get the Raji cigar with the commemorative ashtray and a also another um, cigar package from Drew Estate. I think it's 29 cigars in total. Um, Jonathan will be there. Willie will be there. You'll get some special cigars like the Savage Feast and some Cajachinas and the Willie Lancero and DJ Eli will be there. This will be a extravaganza unlike any other. And then we also have some pretty cool raffles. Um, someone from this VIP party will be giving away. Do we have a picture of it, Alex, or no? No, we don't have one up. Oh, that Drew Estate was awesome enough to make us some uh, 25th anniversary El Raji mega and mini standing ashtrays. So we will have a big one to give oh. away. And they look pretty cool. Alex, you've got a picture. You sent me one. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll let me see if I can get it up. Uh, he's got the mini. And uh, we'll be giving one away during the virtual event on May 7th, a little mini standing ashtray. So just hang tight. Um, we'll give all the information coming out next week. Uh, we actually planned on Willie coming in the show because the assumption was the information was going to go out yesterday and we were going to talk about it. But it'll be coming up in the upcoming weeks. And um, the rooftop party ticket sales, I believe, are going to go on sale Wednesday. So if everything goes along, you'll be able to get it first 250 people. And um, we're pumped up. We're excited. Uh, cigar was phenomenal. We smoked it. Um, and uh, we can't wait to share it with the world, the great effort that you and your family and the guys at Drew Estate put into it. Um, very proud and uh, awesome to be able to celebrate our 25th anniversary milestone with another company that's been like family to us who are celebrating their 25th anniversary milestone. So it, it was almost serendipitous to work together on this project, really. And, and thank you so much for your time and your effort and uh, everything that you put into this project. We appreciate it. No, man. Thank you guys for the opportunity. Um, it's going to be an unbelievable. I've seen pictures of the place, the venue. Oh, my God. I can't wait. It's, uh, it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a really, really uh, memorable night for sure. It's going to be a good time, man. So hope everybody can make it. To answer Kevin Shahan's question, I, you know, no one's saying there's no more cigar safaris. It's just right now the, the, there isn't any, so it's very hard to do a promotion when you don't even know when it's going to come back. 
we were right. hoping they would come back before we started this, but it's not. So it's kind of hard to say that, hey, we're going to do a promotion. And when and if it ever comes back, this is what you'll get. So we kind of made a cool ancillary prize. Not as exciting as going down to Nicaragua, but, you know, smoking, Drew Estate, uh, you know, it's not going to be a... a it's not going to be a non-epic time for the people who win. And like I said, all that information will come out next week. Well, we are kind of past. Oh, we're about that time. Do we have coupon? Yeah. Yeah, he's here. All right, good. While Alex is looking for that mega standing, uh, mini mega standing ashtray, let's get uh, our man uh, corresponding, KMA correspondent, William Cooper, and find out what is the scoop with Coop. What's my theme music? The Scoop with Coop. Breaking industry news. Hear it first on KMA Talk Radio and cigar-coop.com. Coop. What's up, Cooper? Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Willie. How's it going? What's up, buddy? How are you, man? Doing good. Doing good. Doing good. Doing good. Uh, and Abe, just to comment, uh, wonderful opportunity to get to do something for your dad like that. So, you know, I know where that's coming from right now. So, yeah, uh, very, ha- very happy for you. Yeah, man. Thank you. He's, uh, oh, there it is. That's the, that's the mini. That's, that's the mini, mini stand up that we'll give away virtually during the event along with some other cool stuff. Uh, that's on May 7th. That's the virtual event that we'll, we'll be doing it across the country. Everybody will be participating. And then we have a live VIP rooftop event May 6th and information and tickets and all that will be coming out early next week. So very cool. Yep. So Coop, what is the scoop this week? Busy week, actually very busy week. So we'll kick it off um, with a story that was broken by uh, Bear Duplissy on Cigar Coop. Uh, Tatawahe has announced a new line of cigars called the Tutsla. I think I said that right. Tutsla. Uh, it's a, a Mexican wrapped inspired line, um, and, and it's actually a limited production line. And what it's going to feature is it's going to feature uh, San Andreas Mexican wrappers on some popular Tatawahe sizes. So there'll be a uh, a T one ten version of this with a Mexican wrapper, a Avion uh, thirteen version, which is the uh, Perfecto that they've done, and the uh, seventh, which is the Corona Gorda. Um, so this was what I've been told is a limited offering, uh, 2000 boxes for the Avion and sevens, uh, 4,000 boxes for the T110, 25 count boxes. And folks should start seeing this on the shelves in about a month. Awesome. Now is this, I read somewhere, is this something that was inspired by the ME, ME, uh, line? Yes, it was definitely inspired by the ME line. I think Pete was pretty happy with the way that project went, and it kind of inspired him to kind of look and see where he can use this Mexican wrapper elsewhere. Very cool. What else you got going on, Drew? Well, well speaking of Mexican wrappers, um, Crown Heads announced this year's version of uh, the Mule Kick, which is their limited edition cigar they do off the Four Kicks line. And for the last few years, they've been changing the wrapper on this cigar uh, using various different wrappers. And this year um, just happens to be a Mexican wrapper that's going to be on the Mule Kick. Um, And uh, that's the first time the Mexican wrapper has been used on that particular line of the cigar. Um, It's going to be the same. That cigar every year is the same size, a 5 and 7 eighths by 52 Vitola. Um, It's going to be available in 10-count boxes. 
about 4,000 boxes is going to be made available, pricing about eleven ninety five. So um, folks can look forward to that. That's the, the Mule Kick's returning for the first time after like a year off. So the Mule Kick's back this year with a, with a brand new wrapper, brand new blend. All right. Anything else? Uh, yeah. Um, this is an interesting one. You know, like maybe you like this one, Abe. Uh, Diesel Cigars uh, has announced a new installment of its limited edition value-priced Sunday Gravy Cigar. Uh, the name of this cigar, and Paul, you'll, you'll – and actually, all three of you guys will appreciate this. It's called the Gabagool. Uh, oh. Yeah. The Gabagool, yes. Uh, and – it's a it, for folks who don't know what gabagool is. I realize everyone may not know what it is. It's a dry cured meat uh, that is you know it was made very popular on the show The Sopranos. But you know it, it was a staple of, of, of like my diet growing up. And whenever so I can get it, it's still, heaven. It's still it's, it's, still, it's heaven. It's 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 a great it's a great sandwich meat is what I'll just say. Uh, but you know if you saw that Tony Soprano would be going to the refrigerator, he'd pull out the gabagool like in the. Uh, in the paper wrap, it was always the case. I don't know how this translates to a cigar. I'm going to be completely honest with you on this, <laughs> right? Uh, I have like you, Justin, coming on my show on Thursday. I'm going to have to ask him this one, but uh, they've been doing these Sunday gravy, which is these Italian food-inspired cigars. Um, you know, I know there's a lot around that too, but but um, if you're interested in the blend, Sumatra wrapper, Connecticut Berkeley binder, and all Nicaraguan fillers. In a five and a quarter by forty-five Lonsdale, uh, pricing's at five dollars a cigar, and that should be starting to ship the retailers early this month. The Gabagool. Yep, the Gabagool. Um, if you're a Steve Saka fan, um, you got some. In addition, you know, last week the beef stick was uh, announced; it's on sale right now. But this week. Um, he announced a new version of his Muestra de Saka series. It's called Bewitched. And the story behind this cigar is he originally did a blend for a, st- a store in Massachusetts called Owl Shop. It was a blend that was pretty popular with the, uh, with the owner and the patrons. And, in fact, the owner kind of uh, encouraged Steve to go ahead and, um, like, expand the distribution of this. It was like too good to be kept as like a store exclusive. So uh, that's going to be this year's Moester to Socket. It looks like it's going to debut right around the trade show. Uh, if you're interested in this, uh, it is um, Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, San Andreas binder, Nicaraguan and U.S. grown fillers. It's a uh, also the difference is this is a six and five eighths by 50 Prensado box press. So I believe this is the first Moester to Socket that's been released nationally to use uh, the the box press and typically those come in the uh, coffin boxes that are um, so each individual coffin uh, for those cigars, but that will be coming later this year. Yeah. Uh, just to be clear, the, the beef sticks didn't go on sale. The pre-orders went up. Correct. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. The pre-orders. Sure, yeah. yeah. We, you know, last year we implemented the little pre-order system, which worked out great for us. You know, no one got to miss out on the cigar. So for a $25 deposit, you could secure as many as you want. That pre-order is op- status is open for another week. I think it ends on April 8th. And then we will submit our order to Steve Saka, and he will make them to order. And the drop will once again be in thanks- around Thanksgiving time of, uh, this- or later this year. So that pre-order status is going on right now. And we will be getting the Bewitched in as soon as it lands. I'm sure everybody will know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and I saw you guys had Steve Saka on uh, your live stream on Thursday. That was actually one of the shorter Steve Saka shows. i had i had to fly out but actually alex and i kind of had fun we were talking about this i think we might just do these little um you know smoke in an intimate conversation with you know maybe once a month or so just with certain people because it's it's a completely different format than what we do here right so we kind of have an agenda and a timeline that we follow it was just like a nice like 90 minute 60 90 minute you know like the round table discussion let's put it that way Right. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's you know, especially with a, like a single store release, it's a really, it's kind of in a lot of ways a low cost way to promote your message there, uh, and and I think your audience gets something, in a, you know, out of it as well. So I, I actually applaud you guys for doing that because um, I just think it, it creates a. I think a lot of lately, I, I think the single store release market is very saturated these days. Everyone wants to have one. And I think what you guys are doing uh, is creating some excitement and uh, making people uh, find a reason to, to want these cigars even more. So I think good job by you guys. I got to say that. Thank you. Well, you know, I mean, we've been doing this like now for yeah. 2010. Yeah. We've been doing this now for over 12 years. Um, and, you know, you know, as much as anybody, these, these projects with anybody, it's something that we're always really committed to. It's not just, hey, let's make a cigar. You know, we. We like to put our little heart and souls in it. So um, I think that translates to the consumer base with us. And that's why I think our micro blend series has a great following. In fact, actually, Alex, this this would constitute. Yeah, this would, this is a, this is smoking micro blend. So we actually have to add it to the list. The 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 Raji. Yeah, absolutely. Raji. I don't even know what number we're at now. Is it 18? Cooper probably know better than me. It's around that. I have to look because I know some of them had re-releases. Yeah, That's we don't what, count the we don't count the re-releases as a as micro blend. So yeah. it's the first time it's released as yeah. one. Yeah. So yeah, the, the RML was a micro blend in 2018, and that was it. But um, yeah, I think we're on. I think we're on 18 now. So yeah, I think 18 or maybe 19. Um, and this counting is, should be 19. And this is the second one from Drew Estate. So you got this yeah. joining the Pope from Greenwich Village. Speaking oh, Greenwich of the Pope, the Pope, uh, re, you know. Pope is going to have an annual drop this year, so I think it's going to drop in uh, late July, um, June. But stay tuned with some packaging revamp. I kind of like the new packaging, so this will be interesting. So, well, Drew Estate also has the original micro blend before it was a micro blend. The right. actual first micro blend that Kevin Shahan is the sole lobbyist for. <laughs> for the comeback. That's all he keeps talking about. But yeah, literally, literally the first micro blend was what Drew Estate was calling back then a subculture. Uh, was the acid main uh, right? I good point. It was, but you didn't call it micro blend then. That was the difference. Micro blend, we didn't even have a website back then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was just a single store release. We were taking orders over the phone for people who were seeking it out. You know, we didn't have a, a website back then, but um, that kind of what inspired it when I saw how that worked. And you know, during that time, you know, beer was getting huge with these micro brews, and I just thought it'd be cool to make batches of cigars that were just made once. You know, the exact same crop of bales of tobacco where where the, the last box literally tasted like the first box, you know. And um, it's taken off well. It's become an integral part of our company as we grow. Yeah, I mean, you remember that Anarchy, the, there was a lot of, that was just a true juggernaut of a, of a single store release that I've ever seen. Um, there was just one a of lot the coolest, of- One of the 
coolest. I mean, anybody who really, I, I mean, I don't know how much of our patrons go back that far with us, but that was just um, probably, I'm going to say, one of the coolest campaigns to ever be done in this industry because it was like eight months long. You know, the first thing we did was throw it out there a Tatuaje logo that converted into an anarchy symbol with just a simple message, sign up for the anarchy. Nobody knew what we were talking about. Nobody knew it was us. It was just put out there. Uh, we hit the URL owner and the ownership. And I never, the, the day we put it out, it was just a simple URL. We, we planted it on some bulletin boards back then. And it went like wildfire where it was just, and to try logo and then there was electric thing and it transformed into an anarchy logo and it said join the anarchy and i got a call from like 30 minutes after we kind of leaked it out there i got a call from pete johnson and nicaragua said, what did you do i said why he's like my phone is ringing off the hook everybody wants to know what this what this is about uh, you know um they want to know i'm starting a new rock band if i'm coming out with a line of clothing it was insane and you know we, we'd already told pete that we weren't gonna we weren't going to say anything of what it was about for a very, very long time. And then we created a, a special website. You know, Alex, you know, Dennis and Brian worked on that website. We got I want to see if I could just pull that up because historically it was so cool. But we had this anarchy website we created. And you know, you have to, you have to still, at this point, people didn't know what this was about. So there was a globe that would turn and every three or four weeks, a new red dot in a city would, 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 uh, flash on the globe, whether it was Brussels. And when you clicked on it, it showed some anarchy scene in that country. And superimposed somewhere in that scene was me with a cigar. But nobody knew. You know? And it was... Uh, Paul, you're still on mute, if you don't know. Um, That's, so, I'm just laughing. Oh, it was an incredible, <laughs> incredible, incredible campaign. Um, uh, so that was kind of cool, but it was about anarchy. They still didn't know it was about a cigar, even though I was hidden in everyone very well uh, with a cigar. And it was funny because after all it came out, everybody would go back and look for it. It was like, a where, where's Waldo? And then we went down to Little Havana as Pete was going to Miami. We filmed, uh, it was actually in Pepin's factory, like a bunker scene where there were sounds coming out, like people were rioting, trying to get in and find out what was going on. It was really wild, man. It was a wild, wild campaign. And then when it finally came out what it was and who it was, and there was a cigar that was being made for us. Um, it, it just it, it blew blew it up. In fact, it was yeah. it was in Playboy magazine. Yep. It came out in December, and I think the following February was in Playboy magazine. And I think the caption was they used um, "cigars not for your grandfather" or "not your grandfather's cigar." Um, so it was very very cool because when Playboy reached out to us, said, "Hey, can you send us boxes?" I'm like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> Why?" And uh, they wrote a nice. <laughs> They wrote a nice article about it. And, you know, I'm going back then. You have to remember, this is now 12 years ago where we didn't, we barely just started a website, maybe. And um, when that release, it crashed it because we did it on Black Friday. Um, and we really had no clue what we were doing then. The initial run on that microblend was 1,600 boxes. You know, and we were a three store chain with no e commerce, really. And I remember Pete saying, Are you crazy? Because I think at that time, he was doing like 200 boxes for people here and there. And not only did we clear those 1,600 boxes, after the Playboy article, he went and made another run of 1,600 boxes. And that's an absurd amount of cigars yeah. for a small, back then, we really yeah. were a small operation. So, yeah, that was one of the coolest campaigns that I, I'd ever seen in the cigar industry. It was, super it was cool. a lot of fun, yeah. 
It was a lot of fun. I'm going to dig up that Anarchy website. I'm going to find it. I think we still got files of it somewhere, but it was just really neat. You could probably get it from Wayback Time Machine, too. Yeah. yeah maybe. Online. <laughs> maybe. I don't know the, the hidden components in the globe. and I think we're using plugins and technology that are no longer available on browsers anymore. So who knows? <laughs> Anything else you got going on, Coop? Oh, one last story. Uh, if you're a Monte Cristo 1935 anniversary fan, uh, there's a new size called the Espiso coming out. It's a five and a half by 60 uh, Vitola. So if you're a thick ring gauge fan and you like that blend, uh, you're going to have one hitting the stores uh, next month. Um, that will be in 10 count boxes priced at $18. So I think that was a good move for Altidus to add a 60 into that line, which is uh, going to hit a good segment of the market for them. 60 is always a funny thing with us. We do talk, almost comes up in conversation every week. We're not sure if the market's slowing down or just there's so much expansion on, on the skew availability of six by six. There's, there's no one dominant six. Yeah. Used, for many years, there was just a, a couple of dominant six by 60 lines, and we just don't see that domination by any one company in particular anymore. No, there isn't, but I would say the 70 ring gauge market, that 60 plus ring gauge market, that one has definitely uh, decreased in popularity. I think that one's come down a lot. The 60s, I think it's more of the latter, what you said. I think it's just that everyone's doing a 60 right now. So, um, Yeah, the 60-plus people started getting lockjaw. So. But there are, like, I know guys, <laughs> I know guys, like, on my day job, they're, they're just older guys, and they, they just love their big ring gauge cigars. They, they, and that's what they'll, they look for a 60, some of these guys. So, um, you know, we'll see, you know, like I said, I like a 60 if it's blended right, is what I'll say. Um, usually, if it's blended for a sixty, it's very good. Willie, sixty ring gauge ever in your uh, rotation? No, man. Uh, my know. limit fifty-two. That's the biggest I go. <clears throat> more, uh, definitely more of a smaller ring gauge guy. Forty-two, forty-four, forty-six, max fifty-two. For yeah, me. Is that guy older? Like, like spot. Yeah, forty-two, forty-six, forty-eight ring gauges. Go. Yeah. Interesting. Good. All right. All good stuff. Thank you, William Cooper, for your contribution this week. As Thank always, you. please visit cigar-coop.com for up-to-date news, information, and fun with William Cooper. That being said, we are going to engage ourselves into Tale of the Tape, Season 4, Episode 3, The Best Mascots Ever. All right, here we go. Tale of the Tape, season oh, season four. Season four, pick number eight. My pick coming in is Sparty, the Spartan, Michigan State Spartans. Very recognizable character. You see him, you know what it is, you know the colors. Also, it's just it's another selfish pick for me. I'm a big Greek history and Spartan guy, and, and you know he fits in with you know everything I I dig about Spartans. I mean, I have Spartan shit all over. So this was a this was a selfish pick. And look, you know, he's probably one of the top college mascots there are. What do you got, Coop? Yeah, it's interesting that you went college. Uh, I also went college. And what was funny is last week um, when you went with the live mascot, it, I was kind of relieved because I didn't know if I can go with a live mascot or not. And it turns out I am going with a live mascot. And I'm going with Ralphie the Buffalo. 
uh, from the uh, from Colorado University, University of Colorado, I should say. Um, and Ralph, Ralphie's a Buffalo, okay? And he's been around for over 50 years. There's actually been, I think, six different Ralphies because, you know, I guess they retire them and move sure. on. Uh, I, the fun part about Ralphie is watching the watching the handlers, like, try to handle Ralphie when they bring him out on the field because they just can't let him run completely loose there. So it's kind yeah. of fun sometimes when Ralphie kind of gets the best of the handlers there. Um, very popular in the, I think, west of the Mississippi is Ralphie. I don't think he gets enough attention because of where he's playing at University of Colorado. We just don't see a lot of him in the east. But but I think he's just one of the great live mascots. I love, I love watching him. So Ralphie from the University of Colorado. Well, could you put that picture back up real quick of Ralphie? That that guy in the center, I don't know if he made it out of that pick. I mean, he that's looks what's, like that's what's know, funny like about watching it. Is there's always a guy who's getting like dragged or something like that. Yeah. You know, yeah, it probably, looks like he got kicked in the nuts. He looks like he's going down. <laughs> the handlers make that really one of the funny mascot things to see. What do they do? Run around the field holding him in place? Yeah, they literally do. They have him trying to maintain a buffalo. No, don't they? They usually have a couple. I think they show it there. They have a couple of like leashes on him. Yeah, and they're, yeah. they're the guys hold him in all different in all different ways to try how, and. I mean, it's a buffalo. It's a freaking buffalo. How this hasn't become a like a, a tragedy by now or some epic fail by now? I'm shocked. How how has there not been a trampling <laughs> or a dragging at this point? Uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I don't. I haven't. Uh, there I haven't are played. there are a few. I think there I think are no. a few incidents. No, who is it? Who's who's the team coop that rides with the horses on the almost Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Oklahoma had yeah, yeah, that yeah. one was a that one was one that was, ended kind of bad. What yeah. happened with Oklahoma? They ride on this like I don't know what do you, a car truck wagon, you know, a chuck wagon, bag, and you know sometimes <laughs> the horses get going, the thing turns over, everybody yeah, yeah. goes. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm amazed sometimes in life and stuff like this. It's like how did not somebody look at this right away and say this is not a good idea? They've been running this since 1966. I, I know, mean, but like, how did someone not just say this is this is just waiting right. to go bad? What do you got? Some footage, Paul? I see your eyes going left and right. I'm I'm trying I'm trying to find something. There there were incidents. They had to retire one of the Ralphies. Yeah, it was a girl. She was she was too fast, and she was getting away from the handlers. I guess, but there's, the there's no like the actual buffalo? footage of it. The buffalo, yeah. Oh wow, yeah, that's just she was she was too uh, crazy. That just seems like it's it's a tragedy waiting to happen. <laughs> well, so there we are. All right, be interesting to see who you guys think. To I mean, it's like one of those things. Really, you can't be right or wrong, you know, really, but. Yeah, it's a uh, totally subjective list, which would make it yeah. fun. That's oh, a fun yeah. one. Are you a yeah, sports fan, Willie? I am. I am. I like uh, college football the most, probably, out of all. Uh, but, you know, basketball, football, don't do hockey. Uh, and then I do baseball during World Series time. I was waiting for Willie to say, yeah, I love cricket. Yeah. <laughs> With all the games today, I was waiting for like cricket or something. Here, he has eclectic Here, taste. Here's one Oklahoma incident. Oh, wow. That's, that's there the one. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. Yeah. Didn't, didn't end well. Wow. Oh, no. So, that's a liability for sure. Willie, I'm just going to go on a limb here and say that you were a basketball player growing up. Basketball, football. Yeah, I played both sports in high school. Football, and tight end? Tight end. Well, I went to a small school. So pretty much everybody played both ways. Uh, I played tight end, defensive end. 
Our quarterback was a linebacker. I mean, really small school. <laughs> wow. <laughs> were, were you towering as a as a as a you know young athlete? Were you towering everybody? Dude, I was six five since ninth grade, man. Yeah, see, me too. Wow. I I grew I grew as tall as I was going to get by eighth grade. Yeah. In eighth grade, I was six feet two hundred and twenty pounds. So the the vertical stopped. The the width just kept going as the years go by. See, enough for me, man. I could never gain weight, man. I mean, I graduated weighing 185 pounds, man. What? Come spend, a, come spend a month with me. I'll teach you. <laughs> I have a master class in the Dude, that's always been my mission, man. It's Even today. Even today, it's it's if I don't eat well one week, I'll drop five pounds. Just like that. Oof. Without even trying. Lucky. Yeah, that's, uh, it's always an issue with the wife here. <laughs> oh man i didn't realize you guys had a conversation so um as always coming toward the end of the show we like to end most of our shows with a very new segment i got a couple questions willie you're the star of this segment once again this is a new segment by gurka cigars called would you rather Once again, thank you to our dear friend Juan Lopez for being our model for our uh, intro there. For what you <laughs> he, does he loved a, it. He does a great job at it. Uh, all right, so here we go. Uh, I'm going to basically ask you three questions, Willie, and they're basically would you rather questions, and you can answer them. And if you're watching us, uh, feel free to put in the comments on how you would, uh, which which option you would rather. So here we go with question number one, Willie. Would you rather lose your ability to read or lose your ability to speak? speak yeah i think that's the one i went with oh you'd rather lose your ability to speak yeah i think that's the one i went with yeah well, i'm not a big talker anyway well there's a lot of other ways you can communicate but if you can't read that's got to suck <laughs> you know then again then again i know some people don't even have that ability yet so you know <laughs> it makes the decision for them a lot easier right yeah I think you could get by without reading, though. Can you? It's got to be harder to get by without speaking. How can you get how by you, without you, reading? There's plenty of there, what, there, there's plenty of people in the world that are illiterate. They seem to do just fine. Yeah, they they do really well in life. Let me tell you. Yeah, name me and you tell me who's fine illiterate. <laughs> yeah, <but> <laughs> I'll make if a I list pick for you. Paul would definitely be speaking. I, I'm sure you would pick that for me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Willie, question number two. Would you rather always be stuck in traffic but find the per perfect parking spot or never hit traffic ever but always take forever to find a parking spot? Would you rather be always stuck in traffic? Yeah, it kind of sounds like they both suck. They do. Just one sucks more than the other. Well, and, and Willie's in Miami. So he's usually stuck in traffic anyway, right 30 now. Minutes, 30 minutes to go five miles in Miami. Yeah, that's, right. that's the norm here, man. Uh, dude, I think I'd go never hit traffic, but always take forever to park. I agree with you because no matter what, especially if you're in Miami, 
you're going to have that problem both ways anyway. Yeah. Right. So yeah. At least guaranteeing giving up one, I think, kind of works out. I, I, I rather not have the headache getting to the place. So at least I'm not getting to a place pissed off already from being, you know, sitting in traffic. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I've been I've been very good at finding illegal parking spots just to leave a car at. And I've, I've seen that, it many times. That's all great until your car gets towed away. Here's an interesting one. I kind of want to see all our answers to this one. Here's a good one. Ready? Would you rather detect every lie you hear? Or get away with every lie you tell. My question to this is: Does that mean that you could, if you pick the first one, if you can to detect every lie? That means no one could ever lie to you. you. That means no one. That, could and ever that, lie. and that means that I could never lie. Like I lose the ability to lie completely if if I pick that. Huh? No. Where do you get that? Okay. It, well, I'm just asking. That- it's e- listen. It's either that you can detect who's <laughs> lying to you, which doesn't mean you know what the truth is. You just know it's a lie, or you get away with every lie you ever tell. Okay. I think I would go with uh, detect every lie you hear. I'm in that camp too. Me too. Me too. What about you, Coop? What about you, I Coop? I don't lie, so I'd rather do the first. That's my rationale. Yeah. Pretty much avoid trying to lie at all costs. I mean, you'll lie. Everybody lies. You lie for kindness or politeness or whatever, but yeah. It will catch up with you is what I tell people. Yeah, you always get caught. You You always always get get caught. caught. But I like how I like being able to like look. I could tell when someone's lying, and I love to expose that part. You know, so I kind of dig that part. So I'd rather do the you know obviously detect every. I don't know. I I don't know. I think I might go the other way. Really? Not so much. To get away with the lies, but I don't know. I'm a little too hot-headed and confrontational. And, and sometimes maybe I, you need to get away with that lie. And you know, Alex can't handle the truth all the time. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I'm gonna wind up STS. You know, everybody would be STS at that point. Coop, I try to have the Alex. You're not there yet. Maybe hopefully when in a couple of years you'll probably go through, but. I go that I go through that with my kids all the time. I said, you, you know, just don't get away with it. Why lie? Yeah, oh. yeah. Especially, listen, my oldest daughter, God bless her. I told her, you are in the Hall of Fame of the worst liars ever. <laughs> Lying doesn't even make logical sense. You just need to stop because it's humiliating right. how bad of a liar you are. <laughs> I'd have more respect for you if you could throw me up a good lie and almost get it by me than the lies you tell us sometimes. Just give it up. Certain things you should just never try. My oldest daughter needs to give up lying. She's awful. awful, awful. Yeah, Marissa, Marissa's the same way. So she don't even try because she, yeah. she can't, the, the smallest thing, she can't yeah. She can't do it. Very, 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 very bad liars. <laughs> so I think it's a good trait to have for her. But, you know, the fact that she keeps attempting it. So now, like, I have to preempt, preempt my conversations with her when she's in trouble or she doesn't want to It's like, so listen. Let's just recall, you suck at lying. So before you look out that road, you know, I I have to preempt the, you you suck. Remember, you absolutely are awful. So just tell me what happened. Oh, did we lose Abe? He hit a button and he he lost himself. (laughs) That's so funny. He clicked something on there. Oh, man. Well, we'll see if he comes back. But uh, Willie, we want to thank you again for... uh, for coming on the show i want to put up this uh event alex you guys will be announcing here he is we got him back he got too excited i must have clicked the button on my keyboard i'm like did i just disconnect 
Yeah. Wait, I just want to take a moment to rag on somebody because I see oh Vince the anti-goat made a comment about my literacy and then proceeded to he post did. this headache conundrum of a comment, which I can't even really understand. I think that's <laughs> some way that he won't get a Facebook ban. That's what all that is. Oh, okay. really? I don't know. Either that I or don't know. <laughs> Just saying. Or, or he's trying to be smart and type in a way to see how literate people are. It's, it's Vince. What do you want? <laughs> yes, you did get in, Vince. Vince asked, yes. He must have yes, missed accepted. We found out at 3 o'clock yesterday. And now we know Vince hasn't been watching the whole show. So All much right. for his super fan status. Willie, thank you for joining us uh, this Saturday. Uh, yep. Looking forward to seeing you again on May 6th. Uh, uh, Coop, once again, thank you for your contribution. Thank you. As always, next week. Oh, uh, who we got? Oh, yes, Juan Martinez, Cuenca, nice. de Nicaragua. Uh, we're gonna have him on because I think Ninjaragua is right around the corner there. So a lot of fun stuff coming up. Uh, we hope we entertained you all. You had a nice, fun Saturday morning. As always, the best way to start your Saturday is with PMA. Until next week, everybody, keep it lit. <laughs>